Welcome to the Future of Supply Chain podcast. My name is Richard Howells, and along with my co-host, Sin and Nicole, this year we've hosted 42 podcasts. And it's time to take a look back at what we've covered in 2023 and what we predict we will cover in 2024. So welcome, ladies. It's hard to believe we've been doing this for 12 months now. I know, it's crazy. But hey, everyone, it's Nicole Smith here, and super excited to talk about what we've done this year. Yes, me too. That was really great. And I'm also very happy to be on the same episode like you, Richard and Nicole. It has been a long time that we three were together. So it's really great to be with you on the show and then to talk about all the highlights that we've done in this year. It's like a family reunion. <laughs> so Nicole, maybe you could start. Absolutely. So our very first podcast, as we know, was with SAP's David Vallejo who dove into some of his predictions for supply chain management in 2023. From risk resiliency to sustainability to technology and digital transformations, I think we can all agree he was pretty spot on with what this year would entail. So let's take a listen into some of his insights from the beginning of this year. I think the future of supply chain is going away from looking at it as a linear system. Supply chain sounds like I'm moving product from point to point and is a chain. I think the future of supply chain is looking at it as a real-time ecosystem that becomes a key value driver for every product company's success. The best brands in the world are actually led by people that understand operations and supply chains very well and have turned their brand into a powerhouse. Nicole, you mentioned risk resiliency has been also top of mind with supply chain executives since the start of the pandemic back in 2020. And over the year, our guests have shown there is no slowdown in momentum. So let's hear some examples of risk resiliency, and we can start with Accenture's Michel Roger, who discussed the concept of a supply chain nerve center. The future of supply chain will be to establish what I call the supply chain nerve center. And by that, I mean something that can embrace automation, sustainability driver, manage the complex balancing act, bringing the right automation with the right human control in order to take the good decision for the good of the company and the planet. That's great insights from Michelle. We always love having our partners on the episode. And another great episode that I thoroughly enjoyed that I'm sure our listeners did as well was with CloudPath's Tushar Bala, who also talked about 2023 being the year of risk resiliency and the trends that followed. So let's take a little listen into what he said during his episode this year. Today we are in the issue of dealing with rising material cost and also available inventory, right? A lot of customers today are worried about how much inventory do they have on hand and what they have to really buy to meet their future demands, the rising cost in that and how do they make it palatable for the market. So overall companies have built a lot of resiliency in their supply chain, but there is a long way to go in terms of diversifying the suppliers or improving more visibility and transparency across the supply chain stream. In one of the most recent podcasts, I spoke to Cosmotech's Nadia Hospital about how to identify supply chain vulnerabilities and risks. It was a very interesting episode, so let's share what Nadia has to say. So sometimes vulnerabilities are obvious, sometimes they are not. 
And even more, you don't know what will be the exact impact of a type of disruption on or type of decision that you might want to take. Will this put your business at risk or not? So throughout these predefined scans, we will stress test automatically and on a regular basis your supply chain and your current plans. So this will offer you regularly this visibility, which is the very first step. And again, your predefined scan will run automatically at a frequency that can be adjusted to make sure it captures all plans or external data changes that might put your business at risk. So if risk resiliency was top of mind for the last three years, it was certainly joined by sustainability in 2023. Neil Bandaji from EY summarized the important role supply chains play in a company's sustainability initiative when he explained in his episode the importance of managing water and rare commodities. The future of supply chain is open, collaborative, and connected through a series of sustainable ecosystems. It's resilient, it's responsive, it's adaptive. Most importantly, it's built to create positive outcomes that are beneficial for the planet, for its people, as much as it is for profit. Yeah, and actually there were many other discussions about sustainability throughout the year. So Nicole and I really enjoyed interviewing Firstas Ben Bintors, who walked through Firstas sustainability journey. Then really is the question of, on one side, getting the best quality and the most sustainable raw material. On the other side, the logistic costs and what is connected to that transport and all of this. So what we try to do is to be very transparent on that and put it to the product and say, we print on our products a CO2E footprint so that the consumer at the end has also the chance to decide if I want to have the best raw material, but I want to really look into sustainable production that he or she can choose the right product. Totally agree, Sin. That was a, such a great episode with Ben. And another guest that we had on was PwC with Sadie and Jeff, who certainly had a lot to say about decarbonizing the value chain and clean energy as well. So let's take a listen into what they had to share. I think the future is really, really bright. I've been quoted previously saying, you know, the heavy lifting for decarbonization is going to fall onto the supply chain organization. And that gives them the voice at the table that I don't think they've had in a long time. They can set the standards for that data. They can set the standards for the ERP model and how the AI gets put in. They're the bus driver and they're taking it down the road that they want to go to and they will get us all there. A key answer to addressing risk, resiliency and sustainability was the need for improved visibility, which was a common answer when talking about how to address these challenges, as Michael Wieland from Soleil.io explained in the podcast. I think to find the right answers to these complex questions, companies will need a very high level of transparency across the entire value chain. You know, it doesn't help anymore to just know in your little, let's say, supply chain or purchasing silo you know, what the facts are, but your fact base needs to span much wider. Like it needs to reach not just from the supplier, but all the way to what customers does the supplier actually affect? What revenue is at risk if I make any decision here with a certain supplier? Those are some great insights. And we also had Alloy AI's Joel Beal on the podcast as well, who talked about the importance of capturing actual demand and how AI can help. 
And it's very interesting, especially this time of year, given how close they are in retail. I think some of our listeners will have some real insights from this. So let's give it a listen. There's no perfect plan out there. So you still need to do it. You need to plan to the best of your ability, but then you need to be able to adjust. And waiting a month to adjust is too long. Maybe that worked a couple decades ago. When a consumer was locked in, they were going to buy your product. They only had one store in town and they were going to, you know, that's the only place they had. That doesn't work anymore. If demand is shifting within days, you need to be able to respond. And so I think there's both. It's improving that forecast and getting it as good as we can. And we'll continue to get those better by using more signals, but then also recognizing that no forecast is perfect. And how do we make sure that we're responding very quickly when we see those deviations? Another supply chain challenge this time of year is making sure that your gifts arrive on time and having visibility across your supply chain to enable that. And SAP's Rene Vallejo gave a very compelling discussion around how to improve visibility across your logistics processes and what is the cost of poor visibility. So listen to what Rene has to say. The real full extension of logistic visibility is how is this going to impact across everything that I do in my business? How is this going to impact the next steps? Delays in raw materials, how is this going to impact production orders or maintenance orders? How is this delayed in the production order going to impact a delivery to a customer? How is this going to impact another transportation into a distribution center? How is this going to, at the end, impact the experience of the end consumer? That is what is full logistics visibility. The second half of the year was dominated by the topic of AI and generative AI. And as you heard from Joel Beal at Alloy, AI is a very important topic when looking at capturing actual demand. But we're seeing lots of cases where AI can play a role in supply chain and really become a game changer for supply chains and businesses in general. Deloitte Sabit Matthew had some very interesting advice when it comes to leveraging AI. I think with Gen AI and large language models, what we really have are algorithms that can generate net new data, net new ways of working that have not existed before. This could have been done in the past as well, but what that would mean is organizations would need to make massive investments to build these models. Well, what's happened now is that these large language models are available and now it's all about how do you take these models that have been trained on billions of parameters and apply them to drive business outcomes. That to me is the continuum of Gen AI. And in addition to Subit, we even had the chance to celebrate Halloween and the rise of AI with a new shop in our spooky Halloween themed episode together. Let's hear what she had to say. I think the future of supply chain is one where it is highly digitalized, highly connected, and AI will lead to massive productivity needs. And I'm not saying that because I'm responsible for AI at SAP, well, hardly, but, <laughs> but I know for sure that this is the hottest topic right now in any industry all over the globe. And so if this is the power that it has right now and businesses are embarking on that journey, then over the years, not running your supply chain in some fashion in an automated way, where you're freeing up the capacity of people to do more value-added and innovative tasks, will be equivalent to today running your supply chain on paper-based processes. 
So even though AI was one of the big tech topics, other hot technologies such as IoT should not be forgotten. IoT is still the technology that is indispensable in the world of the factory of the future, for example, and is helping to drive new business models. So let's hear what Mike Lecky and Sam Castro are saying in the podcast. You asked me what's best practices. A factory in Austria, and it was impressive. The cobots working next to humans, right? And I've seen that before, but what was most impressive, outside the break room was a glass door in another room. He goes, oh, that's our innovation lab. Every employee has to spend an hour a month in that room. You go through and it's talking about what they're trying to do from a manufacturing standpoint, from a business standpoint. It showed lean concepts. It was educational. And they had a computer in the middle where they took tests, but they were interactive tests. They went the final mile. A lot of companies ask me, how does a shop floor worker get a seat at the table with innovation? Oh, that there. They walk on that room and they got ideas. And at the end of it, how can we be better? That's what kicks off the snowball for the adoption of technology, the introduction of technology in a useful manner. If you have that fostered mentality of growth and of innovation, and you can feed into that, it's the transformation that will happen and it will be adopted. And it's something that your company as a whole will be able to really latch onto. So the people first have to believe that you're there to support them and you're not there to, to hold them to certain constraints only. We're also seeing IoT as an enabler in driving new business models, as Patrick Crampton Thomas discussed in his episode. How do providers of equipment differentiate themselves in the modern world? And adding services to their product or even selling their product as a service is one way to differentiate and therefore compete and therefore grow market share to operators of assets and perhaps chemicals industries, oil and gas, and so on. You know, what they care about is they want to have an asset that runs cheaply and therefore control costs. They want to have minimum downtime and best performance from the equipment. And one way to do that is to actually wrap service level agreements around that equipment and buy it from a manufacturer and have the manufacturer or supply or service partner actually monitor that equipment and provide that service level. And that can be a simplification for them as well as a business opportunity. So I think it's relevant to many industries and there are benefits both on the supply side and the operator side to servitization. It's a perfect lead way into our next topic here, which is labor and the worker of the future. So technology is undoubtedly one of the most important tools for promoting innovative business models, like we said. However, the effectiveness of these technologies depends to a large extent on the employees who are expected to use them. So the debate about the future of work and the workforce of tomorrow is more than relevant, especially in light of the skills shortage and what workers will be expected in the future supply chains. Yeah, and I loved the episode with SAP's Jeff Brown, where he discussed what the plan of the future will be looking for in the future applications. I was once the new guy. One of the first things I learned early on was you can change the inside of contactors and electrical products and change the voltage very, very easily. I had no way of knowing that. I didn't have master data. I didn't have the institutional knowledge to be able to figure out how to do that. So, you know, one of the things that systems have to be able to do is to help bridge the gap between basic business process capabilities like MRP and procurement processes and distribution processes. And SAP actually started that journey with the original release of S4 HANA Enterprise Management with the new MRP cockpit back in 2015. 
And what that did is that actually gave a planner a set of ranked alternatives to address an MRP message. Do I expedite? Do I move from a different location? Who are the alternate suppliers that I might be able to use? And gave them some recommendation via scoring. Is this the best solution? What's the second best solution? And so forth. It was a fantastic first step. And I remember when I saw that for the first time, it was actually easy to get excited about ERP again, because I was able to easily relate that back to, you know, my early days at Siemens and really not having that kind of decision support to help me to be able to be successful. And certainly that's modern technology. And you can really expose this to the newcomers who aren't now worried about, am I going to be effective? Can I do this job? When they see something like that, they know they can be successful in any role. Well, as a Gen Z worker, I can certainly say that a lot of these technologies and trends are certainly on par with what the next generation is looking. And I think, you know, we can certainly look forward into the future as well. So I would say this episode here was such a great recap of 2023. But like I said, what do we have to look forward to in 2024? So Richard, maybe we'll shift the tables to turn to you this time and finally ask, what are you seeing for the future of supply chain as we move into the next year? I think a lot of the topics that we've discussed in 2023 will continue into 2024. There's no doubt that risk resiliency is here to stay. And it has put supply chains front and center in business strategies and is central to businesses survival, success and growth rather than just an opportunity to reduce cost. Sustainability is top of mind. 2024, we'll start seeing a constant flow of regulations around ESG coming into effect. Companies will be required to both understand and disclose their carbon footprint and emissions rather than just provide averages. And to be more risk resilient and sustainable, you must start by knowing the current situation. So you have to have that visibility and transparency across your supply chain and the ability to predict what's around the next corner. The topic of AI, I, I really think is going to be a game changer. And I think we're going to be hearing it in every episode as we move forward. I mean, AI is really the ability to leverage the data that we have in the supply chain and really drive business decisions identify patterns that the human eye can't detect, replace mundane repetitive tasks with automated processes and leave value-added opportunities for new employees to take advantage of. And also AI gives these new employees, the workers of the future, the tools that can do their job better and make it more interesting and exciting. I will be talking about labor shortages, I'm sure, because the aging workforce is retiring out of the supply chain and there are less people coming into supply chain. So we have to make supply chain more interesting to the worker of tomorrow. So I think, as I said earlier, leveraging automation across the supply chain processes in the factories, in manufacturing, even autonomous vehicles, we may begin to talk about as we look into the new year. And we really do have to have a system that is ready for the supply chain worker of tomorrow that digitally connected 20 and 30 something person who leverages technology in their home life and in their personal life and would be shocked to not see it in their business world. So I think that's a lot of the main topics that we'll be seeing as we move into 2024. And I'm looking forward to an exciting year of discussions with our guests. Same here. Well, thanks for finally answering the question that you always ask. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't do it in a sentence or two, which I always ask people to do. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. This one needed a good answer. So I agree. 
Well, I'd like, I'd like to thank everyone who's been listening for the year. And I'd like to thank Sin and Nicole for being great co-hosts and making sure that we keep on track with a weekly episode, which is no easy undertaking. Thanks, Richard. It's been a pleasure. It's been so much fun. And like you said, I'm excited for 2024 too. I think the discussions we've had this year have been so great and so enlightening, and I can't wait to see what we do in the new year. So thank you too. Yes, same here. So I'm very keen to see what kind of other episode and topic will come up in 2024. And just for the listeners, we have some episodes in place. So stay tuned. It's going to be very, very interesting. So this is just like a, a small teaser. Well, I'd like to wish everyone a happy holidays and a wonderful new year. And please join us. Our first episode next year will be on January the 10th, where we will again be discussing the future of supply chain.